Welcome to the 10th Year Seniors Podcast Network. This is the accredited. I'm Ronaldo in studio with John. It's a new decade. People made lists. There's a lot to argue about. Plenty lists. This is one of the things that I feel the internet was made for. People love wedge issues because you love to argue on the internet. It doesn't matter what it's about. Everybody got to get these opinions off. Everybody got to get these jokes off. And so that's what lists and hot take culture is all about. We completely leaned into it. Like, we saw everybody else making all decade lists. And in a span of 11 minutes. 11 minutes. <laughs> we scoured all there is to know about Bahamian sports in the past 10 years. And we came up with the definitive list. There is no arguing with this list. This is it. This, this is, is the best the, list. This is the best list. It's the most unbiased list. It's also the only list. Yeah. Like anyway. Other people made lists? And nobody else do a list. Like we the only niggas that did a list. <laughs> but yeah, so what? When was it? The Thursday, I think it was. Anyway, New Year's Eve, we 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 dropped our top ten athletes. So on New Year's Eve, before we went out uh, to engage in some debauchery, the Ten YS team released their list of the top ten most influential. Bahamian athletes of the decade. These were the people that ruled the 2010s. Is there a good nickname for the 2010s? Not really, right? It's just the 2010s. The year of the Bahamian athlete. <laughs> Years. No dread. Yeah, no. Nah, nah, Locked nah, in? <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to our other podcast, you get the call back to that one. But yeah, so we released the list, and the minute it comes out, you know that anything you have an opinion on... The internet is not an echo chamber. Well, it's an echo chamber if you make it, but the internet is a place where, like I said, everyone needs to be heard. So naturally, there would be pushback. There would be dissenting opinions. But that's on the point list. of of doing a list. Not everyone's going to have the same opinion. I I mean, like I said, we would disagree with in the whole time span. It'd be like, should this person be here or should this person be here? And it's a combination of it's just you have people who are track heavy. You have people who are basketball heavy. You have people, you know, it's just everyone has a different opinion of what they feel who is the best athlete. Yeah, and for us, it was obviously accomplishments play a, a big role in it. And everyone's resume has to have to has some level of qualification. But the thing about it is there's no set standard for any of this like anytime you see any of this shit up somewhere it's subjective yeah. i don't care if it's done it's, it's all from espn all the way to us it's subjective so there is no set criteria i know that's one thing behemoths love to ask yeah what also, was the criteria the criteria yeah, like was, shut up it's what we thought yeah it was like what they did in the last 10 years and what we thought was important that that's what it is so we go from I remember it's what we felt yeah, I mean, That's it. like you said, it, listen, it, we didn't put a formula together. There's no math. In I this. say it all the time. There is a wide Internet out there. And if you don't like the content in one area of the Internet, it's easily one click away to do something else. So, like, it's all good. Thanks for reading. So, of course, number you want to start from 10 and go to one. Or, I mean, we should just start at one because the list has already been out there. So, there's yeah, no well, suspense it doesn't matter that. where we Let's start, start at one. Number one on everybody's list for everything should be Shawnee Miller Weibo. Like, yeah. that's it. That's the tweet. It's Shawnee. End of story. Shawnee, as you all know, Shawnee, we know how she ended the decade. Well, not really ended because the end of the decade was her at the World Champs. Coming but the, hi- the highlight, yeah. I would say, obviously, the dive. Because that's 
when she rose to international prominence. She yeah. started in 2010 dominating at the junior level. Everyone expected big things when she got to the senior level, and she has produced. She's become the best quarter mile and in the world. The thing is, you have to look at consistency as well in these categories. If you look like, yeah, we don't have criteria, but consistency is very important. And like you say, Shawnee and from 2010 started running for the Bahamas at the junior level. And she was meddling at the junior level from that age. And that carried straight through. She had, it didn't go the way that she planned, but she had a very early appearance at the Olympics. That was supposed to be the time when she announced her arrival. But the gratification was delayed, but it was worth it in the end when she dove ahead of Allison Felix. And I think, listen, if she just straight up beat her, it wouldn't have been the story that it was. So I think it actually played out better for her that it happened that way. Because you're not ending up the top story on Good Morning America. You're yeah. not going to be mentioned on SportsCenter or any of those things because... Th- Let's face it, this side of the world with the media attention just doesn't give track and field that kind of pub. But the way that she did it... At the made, biggest stage. Yeah, yeah that's it, the thing. it made her a household name in, in, for that 15 minutes. Yeah, definitely. And the whole thing is, like you say, she was in London and she didn't start the race because it was a hamstring issue or something like that. She was, It was tight. The coach pulled her out at the last second. But it's not like she would have gone into that and she would have won. She might have... Got into the semis, maybe, but you got. She was young then. She was what, twenty? Like she was just out of college or something like that. The one year that she went to college. Yeah, she was. She was ahead of schedule. Yeah, but the whole thing is, like you say, it was the domination that she started throughout. And Allison Felix, her whole career was a thorn in her side. So she would be in these races. She would dominate every race without her, and then get to the biggest stage where she beat literally by a hair. And as I'll say. David Novell could do it. Why Sean A can't do it? <laughs> yeah, I, listen, nobody nobody in the Bahamas had a problem with that. Actually, the only people that had a problem with that was Americans. The people who did it before. Like, they don't win enough. I know. Get the hell out of here with that. We're not even going back to that. But the thing about it is, Sean A, far and away, I, don't, I mean... There's not much of an argument here, is it? Like no, that one, because... Anytime somebody argues with anything, it's not the number she one spot. She cramped up at it's the her. World Championships the um following year whatever year it was and then come this world championships someone from nowhere who's going to test positive on steroids allegedly um because there's no way you could not run a race like that then you shave like a second and a half off bad plan (laughs) yeah diuretics it's just like but no like she's just been the most consistent she won in the biggest stage and the biggest stage in track and field is the olympics and she's also become like this graceful figure like it's it it almost feels as if sometimes she's held in revere here like girls love Beyonce. Like it you get that kind of vibe from how they they look at Shawnee. Like And then she also married a world class athlete who invited got, to the South Side. Yeah, exactly. That's our guy. That's put him guy. on the list. <laughs> oh, I wonder if we should put him on the Honorable list. mention. That would have been funny. All right, so far and away, no argument there. Number one, Shawnee Milowebo, two hundred meter, four hundred meter specialist. Basically, Bahamian Beyonce. Number two is on, where everything comes into on play. Our, wow, that was fast. Yes. Number two on our list of the top ten Bahamian athletes of the decade, Buddy Heald. And surprisingly, like the response that we got is like people are. I don't understand. I personally don't understand it. They're 
almost downplaying what Buddy Heal has done. In the words of Remy Ma, are you dumb? Like, are you are you kidding me right now? How is how could there be any argument made against Buddy Healed? It it it, it baffles me just for the fact that you gotta understand Buddy Healed has been doing it since literally when he was in high school, which would be 2010. Uh, Four star recruit out of college, picks a high major school. The fact that you get to Oklahoma and you become not just a heavy rotation guy at Oklahoma. You become the man. You become the man. You win just about and there there was a steady progression every year he was at Oklahoma. He started off as the sixth man being that instant energy guy off the bench as a freshman. Sophomore year become a big part of the rotation. You get more starts. You become a consistent scorer. Junior year. And then junior year. Player of the year in the Big 12. You become Big 12 player of the year a lot. Pretty much Able to come out of the yeah, draft at that point. could have been drafted in the first round after your junior year. Would have been a first-round pick, probably fringe lottery, mid-first-round, but definite first-round pick. It, uh, takes his team to the Elite Eight at that point where they lose yeah. They lose to Michigan State. And I remember being at that game and asking him in the locker room, and in that moment, are you going to come back? And he was definitive, yeah, I'm coming back. And I was... I'm thinking in my head. We had a whole podcast yeah, about I'm this. I'm thinking like, you are turning down the NBA right now. You just won Big 12 Player of the Year. Go get that money. He decides to come back, bets on himself, becomes the story of college basketball. And I know we live in a track and field culture and everybody. The biggest story. Like Ben Simmons was in college that year, guys. Yeah. It's just but like, Ben Simmons wasn't the story of the NCAA no. basketball uh, tournament or the, the entire season that year. And like like I was saying, I know track and field is weighted heavily, but I think the context of what Buddy Heal became as a Bahamian, because it's much more difficult for a Bahamian that plays a team sport than it is for an individual. Yeah. Far more different. Like, you can be fast, fast, as fast anywhere, but there's no infrastructure here for you to become a an elite level basketball it's player. It's not just that. It's also getting the D1 scholarship. You know how many track athletes we have go Division 1 every year? A lot of it them. It probably doubles the amount at minimum basketball. Yeah. It, 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 it's the process of getting, like, the, the processes are way different than being a track and field star than being a basketball star. A track and field star, like Ronaldo said, you could be fast and it doesn't matter. You get the training. You don't have to go through the school route. You can if you want, but that's up to the person. But you got to, in basketball, unless you're a Luca and you're playing in a pro league at 16 or a Tony Parker playing in pro B at 16 years old, the only way to get to the draft is going to high school in the U.S. Or, I mean, you can go to high school anyway, but you have to go to college. You have to. It, there's no other way around it. So Buddy was on ESPN every day, every single time that Oklahoma was playing. He was pushing that Bahamas brand because you could not mention him without mentioning the Bahamas. Because the and you know what made him different and that made him stand out. And I don't think that it's something that we've seen before. No offense to any of the other athletes that got to this level, but there was just something authentically Bahamian in the way he carried himself even the way he spoke where it felt like there was a direct connection just between us and him because most americans couldn't understand what the hell he was saying yeah. but we got it yeah so like it, it was it was something like and, and 
again, not disparaging anybody else, but that was just one of the things that I think endeared him to the public, and it continues to be that way to, to this day. And he literally took a team that had no business being in the Final Four. Like, the biggest... Let's put it this way. You have the Super Bowl, and the second biggest sporting event in the U.S. is the Final Four. So you had the Bahamian at the highest level in college basketball, winning player of the year. He won just about every Yeah, he won every award. Like, he, he won everything. Like, had, he, he may not have been the best prospect for the draft, but he was the best player in college, hands down. I'll tell you what, he wasn't far off because then he becomes the first Bahamian lottery pick. And if you Ever. don't, you know what the lottery pick era is. If you're a sports fan, you should be listening. You know what that is. On. That's what we consider the lottery yeah. pick era. But when Michael Thompson got drafted, recruiting and the draft it was not the same thing back then he's the first lottery pick the bahamas has i ever find had. it funny that we have to like you do there, there's something you we do. have to defend so hard like this is i think this is the biggest one to defend um than all the athletes with buddy being at number two because we could have easily put stevie at number two and everyone would have been like yay you know it doesn't matter prisoners of the moment exactly. though it's because they just saw him like, win so it's literally you know what i just saw buddy do average 20 points per game in consecutive nba seasons i just saw him sign 94 million dollar contract but- that's that's another thing <laughs> like, like let's bring that up he became the highest paid behavior athlete of all time and one like, contract. like i don't know but that's an argument for number yeah. one <laughs> you got to think of and and we have um hunt sean on facebook he was commenting that stevie needs to be above buddy because of uh winning in the olympics and his national records at and the world champs at the world at the world yeah. champs no but winning the bronze in the olympics oh at the four by four right no, granted I, I i personally feel that a relay it's great i love medals don't get me wrong but a relay is little less than individual accomplishments because you have to have four. Yeah, the government pays them that way. Yeah, you you get to, more money yeah. when you get you have an individual to have accomplishment. an elite team to be able to be there. At the same time, like, Buddy didn't carry an elite team. Like, a lot of this is, is on his own. But you got to remember, the Bahamas has been sending athletes to the Olympics since forever. Buddy making the NBA. We've only had, now it's five, like, born Bahamians. Is it five? One? No, it's four. Four born Bahamians who have made the NBA. Mm-hmm. Literally, you're telling me that it's easy. It's in the Bahamas sense. It's easier to make the Olympics as a sprinter or a track athlete than to make the NBA. Absolutely. That's that. That is numbers. There's there's no way denying it. Even though the Olympics is every four years, we were putting three quarter milers in the Olympics. That every time we've been putting three sprint athletes. We we always have people to get into the races. Will they do well in the races? Not all the time, but we always have athletes qualifying for the olympics i tell you what we didn't have we never had the best player in in college basketball michael thompson wasn't even the best player in the ncaa when he was there nope buddy heel became that guy buddy heel was that award winner and, and went to the nba and produced it's also like you gotta understand when this this is my mindset so at least people could know what my mindset was was when the list was getting picked it's something that hasn't been done and or it has been, but it hasn't been done in so long. No, he... he it, and, and just like getting drafted. Just getting drafted alone is a huge deal. No, there was a lot he did that legitimately hasn't been done. And none of it is minuscule. The fact that even down to the fact that he was in the rookie sophomore game All-Star Weekend. Or he was in the three-point three contest. Yeah. He was on the all-rookie team. Like, 
all of these are things that listen when when Hurricane Dorian happened, the first voice people heard to galvanize support was, was buddy. from Buddy. Yeah, he used his contacts and media, ESPN. To be he was to on the outside message. the lines. He was on Sports Center with SBP, yep. and that's something that he also did at Oklahoma, by the way. I mean, I'm just saying the resume for Buddy is so it's stacked. There. You could talk me into him being number one based on him signing the 94 million dollar deal. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you could talk me into. But it. But as I say, I just because of the Olympics with Shawnee and what she's no, done, I, I get what it. she's done consistently at a, as a junior level. Because you gotta understand, there's a process through everything. Like you're a junior athlete going up and she's lived up to expectations like she wasn't one of those junior athletes that didn't pan out which is tough to do so Mm -hmm. so let's go to number three and you uh you mentioned it briefly there but number three we put on the list steven gardner now the resume for stevie he burst onto the scene one year at nationals people did not know who he was was that he, when he broke the national he was record? this kid from yeah. moore's island this tall lanky kid that came and he broke the 200 meter junior national record um ran as a member of the golden knights at the world relays and then he came into his own you mentioned him being a member of the bronze medal winning four before team but it was this moment in 2019 winning at the world champs that solidified his place among the annals of top Bahamian quarter milers, and I think doing something like that that, that he deserves that to be, he deserves you. to be in the yeah. top five. Now, the thing about Stevie is Stevie didn't have the best junior career, right? And but it was so short because he came onto the scene so late. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like, and and that's the, that's the aspect of it. It's like, okay, what did Stevie do to be able? Like, don't get me wrong, Stevie's a great athlete. He's world class. Everything that you hope, but like you said, he burst onto the scene later than the other uh, runners. Like he only made the semifinals in the it was the Rio Olympics. Mm-hmm. He made the semifinals. Then from there, he gradually so that's from 2016 onwards. Stevie started becoming a, a household name. Like it's pretty crazy because it's like household name. People saw Stevie, they saw his potential, but they they, they were. Most people are questioning, can he do it? Can he sustain it? Like, th- that was the biggest question I believe Stevie got, but he proved he was able to sustain for four years. Yeah, absolutely, because it, qu- it was a question of whether he can, he can do it individually at the highest level. Yeah. And the way Bahamians think, we don't believe in you until we actually see it happen. Exactly. And he, be- he became a – he's now national record holder in, in the, the 400. And he was ranked number one for all of 2019 in the 400. Two-time uh, medalist at the World Champs in the 400 because he did win that silver, silver in London yeah. in 2017. So his resume is pretty stacked. He is well on his way to being the most. He may he may, he may be, already be the most decorated 400 meter runner among the men's men's side. Who individually has won more? Monker won the world championship. He won gold at world champs. Yeah, but, but no, Stevie definitely. I think he has. Um, yeah, he, he probably because he had world relays, and and as much as I don't know, people will want. If he's to not, it. if he's not there yet, because I ain't a track. Oh no, person. he he's. But the, if he's not there yet, he's having on the pace gold to that. and the silver alone in world champion. Like he needs that Olympic. I once he gets the Olympic individual medal. Wait, people like Olympics. Bro. No, but that that's just reality. He would then because at the same time and. He's on our list, and I say Chris Brown. Chris Brown had relay team success, but you know he was at the towards the end of his career 
in this decade. It, 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 it's pretty hard to, especially with the people on this list yeah. right now, to, to, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I mean, not disparaging him at all, but it's from the 2010s. It just is what it is. Yeah. All right, so you got Steven Gardner at number three. Let's move on to number four, back to hoops. John Quill Jones is the Connecticut son, also somewhat of a controversial choice. Not to me. I mean, I, I may have thought that John Quell should be third, but we always say, uh, whenever I have a, a conversation or argument with someone, it was an intense eleven-minute discussion. Yeah, no, but I've I've spoken about John Quill Jones is going to be a Hall of Famer, hands down. It, I don't even think there's a question about it. She is going to be the most decorated Bahamian basketball player, I believe, in our time. The only thing is, and it sounds harsh too, but it is still not the popularity of women's basketball is not of the NBA. The fact that she has to play in Russia right now in exactly. her WNBA offseason proves that. Yeah. So it's like she, she literally has to have three basketball jobs a year to be able to, to pay the bills. Yeah. I mean, but I when I first noticed and started writing about her, um, following her on a regular basis is when she was at GW and I saw the numbers that she was putting up there. So let's just go through her resume briefly and we're going to start her clock the second half of the decade, but it's been a ridiculously good second half. Let's go 2015, A-10 player of the year and defensive player of the year. Goes on to be the sixth overall pick in the WNBA draft. May have been overshadowed because it's the same year Buddy got and picked they got number picked six. the exact same, yeah. same number six. Same number, number six. Already a two-time WNBA All-Star. Bear in mind, for two years of a career, came off the bench. Yeah. So, two-time WNBA All-Star, two-time All-WNBA second team, most improved player of the ward, peak performer, sixth woman of the year. She led the league in rebounds twice, had a record-setting rebound season Which that was... Broken the year yeah, after, but exactly. in the moment, she had it. She's won championships and leagues around the world. She's won a finals MVP in Korea. WNBA all-defensive team led the league in blocks and led the Sun to a WNBA finals just that close to setting another history-making moment. And if she did that... That would have been great. Whew, she could have made a push for number two if oh, she yeah. won the WNBA and championship. Let's put it... This way, we ain't downplaying John Quill. Not at all. We love John Quill. Yeah, I mean, listen, Ten YS was the only Bahamian media that was in at Connecticut and Washington at yeah. the WNBA Finals. So, you can tell us nothing but John. Yeah, it's it, it just the, let's just put it this way: being college player of the year is a pretty big deal. It's like huge. we watch college basketball. John Quill Jones, like I said, she's gonna be a Hall of Famer. She'll probably be the most decorated uh, Bahamian basketball player when it's all said and done. But. <laughs> Yeah, number what four. Were pe- what were people saying about that one, dude? Oh, Bro. no, they're saying that John Quill's accolades are... She has so much more accolades than Buddy. But it's just like, no, Buddy has more. That that That's just reality. Like, you, you have to understand, and we'll go back to basketball as a process. There's a certain way you have to go to make it into these professional leagues. You don't hear of random person who is playing hoops make the NBA. There's a process they have to go through. And... Buddy's process just happened to have more accolades, more success. More than, notoriety. Yeah, no yep. more. Trust me, making the WNBA NBA finals is huge. Um, being in the top leagues in the world, playing at the highest level for John Quill is huge. But at the end of the day, I think Buddy's done more this decade than John Quill. Yeah. 
So let's go to number five on the list, keeping it hoop. Number one overall pick in 2018, DeAndre Ayton. And this is another one that could have been higher because literally you're talking about a guy found at Jeff Rogers camp being selected number one. It's really, it's it's some storybook shit. But this is where we know we don't say this criteria, but we've had a number one overall pick before. So this yeah, it's not completely yeah, unprecedented. This isn't new. And the thing is, it's as as we say, there's only been four countries who's had more than one number one pick. And we happen to be one of them. We've experienced this before, but we haven't experienced it in the that, social media. That's, that's what I was yeah. about to say. Like, this is different because Michael Thompson was able to do that in 1978 in a vacuum. DeAndre Ayton has been all over social media. You were able to YouTube him from the time he was 13 years old, where people were calling him the best eighth grader. It is ridiculous, and I continue to applaud anybody that is able to go. Because what it is, is child stardom. Yeah. So people like Aiton or like LeBron or anybody else growing up in this era, for you to be able to sustain that level of efficiency and output and continue to live up to expectations from 13, 14, 15, straight up to the NBA, that's incredible. Let's put it this way. 15 years old played a UNC team that two years later, that core won a national championship. And, and put dominated that front 17 line. and 18, re- 17 points, 18 rebounds. Played for the senior national team at 16. Was the only player in the tournament to average a double-double. Was the best player on that team easily yeah. at 16 years old, playing with grown men. McDonald's All-American. First behavior to Jordan, be McDonald's All-American. Jordan Brand, classic. Another first. First team All-American. Pac-12 player of the year. First team All-Pac-12. Pac-12 freshman. He did this all as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Tournament MVP. Then he goes, number one pick, double-double Suns record 38. You know, he averaged a double-double that season, 16 points, 10 years. First NBA All-Rookie team, came third place in, in voting. And it's just like, this is another, like, that's a, this is a generational talent. He is. Like, the same way how we say Stevie could make a run next year or next decade, Aiden has all the tools to be the greatest Bahamian basketball player ever. And I think the next decade will be his, just foreshadowing that. I think the next decade is going to be his because I think the rest of his NBA career is going to be... He's going to be a perennial all-star. Yeah, he's he's going to be an all-star. Like, like, Buddy is a fringe all-star. Aiden is going to be a multiple-year all-star. Like, it is going to happen. But it did not come without his fair share of controversy because there are a lot of people that probably... And again, this is prisoner of the moment thinking because he just came off the suspension and whenever people talk about him, they talk about that draft class. So you think about Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Let's just get this out of the way right now. Just about everybody was going to take DeAndre Ayton number one. Yeah. Like notwithstanding what Luka is turning into, there were a few... Pockets of, of opinions that felt like Luca should go number one, but overwhelmingly the consensus was you take that guy. Now, you why take DeAndre Luka didn't go number two? Now that is one for that, debate. That, that's the one that you question because, like you say, Aiden was a clear consensus number one. That was one the guy. Pick. Like everyone, like you said, everyone was going to pick him. There might have been the the Mavs yeah. might have been the only team. No, the Mavs would have picked Aiden. Yeah. It, number one, yeah. the Mavs. Yeah. Anybody with the number one pick was going to pick Aiton. Yeah, when so. I when I talk about people that were saying Luca, I'm talking about like analysts or, or, or journalists or podcasters talking as those people. Anybody in NBA circles was taking Aiton number one. That, yeah. but that's why within the NBA, people don't. Those aren't the people that bash that because of Luca's production. They bash that number two. Yeah. <laughs> 
Fumbling up because he averaged a double double. So yeah, you can't you can't really complain about that. All right, let's go to number six. First time a baseball player makes an appearance on the list, Anton Richardson. And Anton Richardson will always be an important figure in Bahamian sports because he was on Jeopardy. Like his name was on Jeopardy, and he also bridged a gap between a thirty something year drought in baseball in yeah. the Bahamas because there was a time when baseball was one of the biggest sports here and we were routinely producing guys to go to the majors and and routinely producing guys to go to the minors and had major leaguers that wasn't a foreign concept to us but that all went away for decades because of whatever bullshit management baseball was going through at the time that went away that was non-existent I know when when we were growing up, we did not think of Bahamians as Major League Baseball players. No, it, the the ambition was basketball on track. Yeah, like, like nobody thought of that as a viable option. Like you would you would hear stories of Adam Brister and the controversial bunt uh, when he played for the Cincinnati Reds, but you thought, yeah, that was a long time ago when we could make the majors. Then that didn't happen anymore. And the generation that Anton was a part of changed all that, but he he has to be known as the figurehead and the leader of that generation because he broke through to the majors. Yeah, and that that's the biggest thing. He broke through the majors twice. He literally his story is it's it's a crazy story yeah. about perseverance. Yeah. Like it's and if you if you know his character, you get it. But to stick with it and toil and struggle in the minors for a full decade yeah like he was in the minors a for decades worth of of minor league baseball to be called up twice yeah for people always telling you you know it's been long enough maybe you should give this up yep. i mean if it hasn't happened yet it's not going to happen i'm sure and he's been on this podcast so we talked about all the highs and the lows of that kind of thing but sticking with it and chipping away and chipping away. All of this, by the way, after he got his degree from Vanderbilt, which is also a very important part to the story. But let's just talk about what he did in this decade. So he started it off 2011. That's when he got the first call up, and that was with Atlanta. Yeah. So That made him the sixth player to ever play in the major leagues. Which, like we said, bridged the gap between generations. Yeah, and I would say it's probably harder to make the major leagues than the NBA. Oh, yeah, it's, like, it's ridiculous. Uh, and, and people would be like, oh, no, no. Baseball is probably one of the hard. I think it's the most difficult yeah, professional sport there is. You're, you're literally, you literally have like 33-year-old rookies. <laughs> like, that's how baseball is. Yeah. So, the, so it was on, it was in 2013 when he signed the deal with the Yankees. And then just about a year later, he gets the call-up. He gets the call-up. He is a major leaguer, becomes a New York Yankee, but that was in the moment. The moment came in Derek Jeter's final game, Derek Jeter's final at-bat, Antoine Richardson on second base, and just as he had done for two decades, you knew Derek Jeter was going to come through in the clutch. He scores Antoine Richardson, slides into home plate with the oven mitt, and becomes, like you said, an answer on Jeopardy, will always be a part of Yankee lore, he scored Derek Jeter's final RBI. Yeah. Like, that hey. That gets you on the list, bro. Yeah. And I completely forgot to put that on the top 10 moment list. But, hey, it is what it is. And, um, I mean, it's not a part of him being an athlete, but still doing things in the baseball realm as the decade closed. Because now, first being a major league coach. 
So first now base coach. first base first base coach for the San Francisco Giants still breaking barriers. So Anton Richardson number six, number seven on our list, Ariana Vanderpool Wallace. <laughs> How's Captain Days looking? Okay, so <laughs> there's the inside joke on 10YS that John takes, uh, I would say, an inordinate amount of responsibility for Ariana's career. Can you explain <laughs> why you think you were so influential in her swimming career? Because I was probably the best house captain that Lucan ever had at St. Andrews. So we happened to win everything that year. So it, it probably got the taste of victory. And it just propelled her to do great in her career. So what it Which was... Which has no facts whatsoever, yeah, but it's great. No, it's fine. It's 10 YS. You don't really need the facts, but you just got to say it with your chest and make it believable. So you thought that your time as house captain really propelled her swimming career to get to that next level because it was... The, the drive, t- the athletic it was the, the drive. The drive yeah. I feel like she was swimming well before that. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, she was... She was- cut an ass at a very long time okay so ariana has an extensive resume she's won regionally at just about every meet from junior straight up to senior she's she's won did it at cac commonwealth pan am did all of that but the highlight for most people because bahamians i mean in general, people only pay attention to swimmers when it's time for the Olympics. Okay, that's, that's just the way it is. No, I mean, not oh, even talking in, about in the Bahamas. General, yeah. Like, in terms of Western media, it's when the Olympics roll around, we learn the names of these swimmers. And so, the Bahamas is the same thing. Like, recently, Carifta swimming has become far better than yeah, Carifta track. Yeah, a powerhouse. Yeah, yeah because they win all now. the time. They're a powerhouse. But she was winning before that happened. And when the moment when she made the final at the Olympics. That was 2012. London. Yeah. That was, that was a landmark moment for not just for swimming, but for Bahamian sport, because I just love the way that she carried it, dog. Like she came out, the goggles were on, the hoodie was on and that, that became meme worthy. Like yeah. if that happened now, everyone would be me. Michael that. Phelps. It would have been pretty yeah, much everyone. That, doing. that went viral because like, the crazy thing about her is, she had a chance to win a medal in the Olympics. Like to me, you, you're literally saying I'm top eight in the world. Yeah. Like in the Olympics and swimming. Cause that, if there's one sport that the Olympics truly matter, it is swimming. Oh, for sure. Like that is the pinnacle of, of everything you win in the Olympics and swimming. Because I don't even hear about world championships or anything like, no, it's just, it's just not on the same level professionally as, as the other sports on this list or the the big four in that area, but being being the eighth best in the world, and I think being an incredible inspiration to an entire generation of swimmers that came after her, because I'm sure if you ask any one of these young swimmers now, Ariana is the well, go. They're all breaking her records and uh, national records, like in the pool. So it's like. You, you, She's the one they chase. Yeah. The, like, it's her and Joanna type thing, like, at the swim meets where their names are on it. So, all these kids, until the record is broken, see that name. And then, as a kid, you see the name and say, let me go look this person up. And then you see her resume. All right. Let's go to number eight on the list. Number eight, Jazz Chisholm. A lot Man. of people are very... Maybe one of the most controversial selections on the list not to us at all. Um, okay, so 
Here's the thing about Josh Chisholm. We talked about Aiton being the perfect storybook kind of thing. The path that Jazz has taken is becoming that. It's reading like that same kind of storybook. It's just that it's not as instantaneous as basketball. See, basketball, you could see someone get drafted, and then the very next time they're on TV. Because even the younger kids around uh, Freedom Farm, they would be asking the minor leaguers, when are we going to see you? But it's a a different process. It's not like it was with Buddy. It's not like it was with Aiton because the construct of the way baseball is just different. Jazz was not a big-time signing for the Diamondbacks when it happened. He signed... The day he signed, he signed alongside Lucius and everybody knows from that signing class it was Lucius Fox that was the coveted one it was Lucius Fox that had the most lucrative contract to that point of any Bahamian athlete ever but Jazz came into the Diamondbacks organization and worked his way up and every year got better even coming off of an injury coming off of a knee injury his bounce back season was so incredible every year he has gotten recognized by his organization, gotten recognized by his league, and you see the progression to the point where he went from a, a meager signing to the number one prospect for the Diamondbacks. And put it in the context, if I'm not mistaken, it was a $250,000 deal that he signed. Yeah. And on a signing day, that literally means, oh, we're signing you, but we don't really care about you. Yeah. Like that that's in reality like you, you have to, a, you, you have a shot prove, but yeah. you're not a priority. You need to prove that you you know you're well worth what we're giving you. So right away he jumps in, he becomes a, a, an all-star in the Pioneer League. That's that's at the rookie level. Like I said, it's a progression but at each one of these levels you see him shining. You see him shining. So he's been an all-star at every level. He's he's now the number 57 overall prospect in all of minor league baseball. Which is a ridiculously huge accomplishment based in the context of it. I, I think people need to grasp how serious that is. Baseball. The hardest the, sport to make. Becoming number majors. 57. And him being the top prospect for the Diamondbacks, that made him a, a, a trade tool where you could be traded for an ace. So he was traded for, for Zach Gallon. Yep. He, like, it's the same. Like, let's put it this way. The Marlins traded for him. To become the future shortstop and uh, of, we, of their franchise. Yeah, we mentioned Anton being the, the sixth Bahamian to break through to the majors and him being uh, an inspiration to this younger generation, Will Jazz, and to an extent Lucius and all the rest of those guys. He is probably going to be the seventh yeah. that, that makes the breakthrough to the majors. And I think it's also the way he does it, too, because... You read the scouting report for most Bahamian players, and a lot of them reads the same, but he's different. He's a power-hitting shortstop. He finished second in, in AA baseball in home runs. Swing for the fences. And he's a power-hitting shortstop, which he doesn't look like it at all. Like, you no. would not guess that looking at this guy. But he's good. He's probably good for 30 home runs at some point. But even, like that's going to happen. Yeah, he'll probably be a, a 30 home run guy. In the ma- like, if once he makes the majors, hell, okay, he's at least a 20 home run guy. He's probably gonna steal 50, 60 bases a year type thing. Um, yeah, it's just from his signing day, you could just see the attitude that he had that he wasn't gonna accept failure, and it was real. Yeah, that's the thing, it was not putting on, it was not authentic. At this, 
he somehow is able to do this incredible balance of being humble but also knowing that I got this. Yeah. Like that that's that's great to see. But his 2018 season to me was, was incredible. So he's he was an organizational all-star for the Diamondbacks and led their entire farm system in home runs. Uh was a was and, among the yeah. league leaders and he was third and Derek in runs, G traded for him. Let's just put it that way. Third in runs, fifth in triples, seventh in RBIs, uh, eighth in slugging percentage, and people were walking him because he was such a great hitter. Ninth in walks. I mean, and currently the, the number four prospect in the Marlins organization. The greatest organization. shortstop you could arguably say in baseball traded for him because they yeah. saw the upside in him. Fourth prospect with the number four prospect with the Marlins right now, and you and know the top three are pitchers probably. They added him to their forty-man roster at the end of the season, so obviously plans to, like you said, figure prominently into their future. I I, yeah. I look for him to be in the majors this upcoming season. Yeah, no, definitely. I think he he. I thought he, he would break called up at the end because of last year. If you think about it, he's on the forty-man roster, right? He's literally one injury away, someone on the DL or something, from being called up. Like, he may not stick in the majors the first call-up, but when you get to that second or third call-up, when he's on the 15-day contract or the 30-day contract, once he gets up there, like, I think a second time, or if he plays to the potential, he's not going back down. Like, that's just reality. Number nine on our list from the world of volleyball, Byron Ferguson. So Byron, uh, now obviously, when you look at our list, we value people that that break barriers. We value people that were trendsetters, trailblazers, whatever you want to call it. And I think Byron is that in every sense of the word because we talked about with baseball guys not seeing it as a viable option. I don't think there was anybody that thought professional volleyball was a viable option. Yeah, no. Pe- until they saw Byron do it. Yeah, people here would just play volleyball for fun. Like, that's all I remember volleyball. They're going D.W. Davis playing volleyball. But volleyball is one of the biggest sports worldwide. And the thing about it is you see, right now, you see the direct path of people following him, following that, that trail that Byron set. Because now you've got guys like Eugene Stort and Shinari Hebron playing professionally and that is a direct result of just them seeing that this can happen because Byron's the one that did it. See, sometimes being the first one to do something, that's the most difficult path, but you make it so much easier for people to play behind you. Byron, he's been on a podcast a couple times. He said, I used to play basketball. I realized I wasn't good at basketball, but I could jump. Not not good enough. Yeah, I could jump really high and I took up volleyball and that's the thing. It's it's trend setting. It's it's something where, okay, there are other options like Donald Thomas, for example, when he was a basketball player. Oh, let me go do high jump. Oddly enough, they were at the same school. There's a lot of high jumping people that was trying to play basketball that didn't work out, <laughs> but they went pro in something else yeah. at Lindenwood. So, is like you say, the the biggest thing is he is playing professional volleyball in Europe and which, at a high level. Uh, yeah, which is Europe is. The hot spot for volleyball. It's like hockey, NHL, NBA for basketball. If you want to play the best volleyball, it's like playing soccer. You want to go to Europe. That's where you want to be. Has played professionally in Denmark, Finland, Indonesia, Israel, Montenegro, and Greece. Last season, an all-star in the Greece A1 League. So like we say, he's not just playing, but he is playing at a high level. 
Last one on the list, Toriano Johnson. Now, it was 2008 when I think a lot of people outside of the regular boxing world first learned about Toriano, and he continued that once he turned pro. He won the WBC Silver, the WBA International Middleweight titles, and also, and is still now, the current current holder of the NABF middleweight title. So, Toriano, the thing that stood out to me for him was he had a legit opportunity to go after some major hardware in the middleweight division, but he was betrayed by injuries because there was a point when Triple G was just the dominant middleweight, but people saw Toriano coming on that path to challenge him, and he was set to fight Triple G. It was going to happen but he got injured, and that just never came to fruition. And that's boxing is such a boxing is such a funny sport because you never know who's gonna win. First of all, like it's not one of those things like it's Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather wins everything. But it's like like I say, injuries happen because if you're a boxer, like if you have an ankle injury, a toe injury, a finger injury, it's like it's little things like that that could affect the way you box or completely cancel a match. Like, you have these promoters that come, they'll promote a match, and all of a sudden you'll be like, well, it got canceled, you know? But he has a a record that speaks for itself. 21 wins, two losses, one draw, you know? He was yeah. on a, he was on a 14, uh, and that that's back when you got to... Yeah, I mean, it, there was... Like, like we say, he's been undone by injuries a bit, but still for what he's done for the sport of boxing, what he's done for the boxing. I mean, he's with Gold, Golden Boy Promotions. Yep. I mean, that, that's, that's no small feat. And I, I know the Olympics doesn't count for this list because it happened in 2008, but that's, that's a part of his resume. Yeah, and it's that, it just shows like a lot of these box. Floyd May- Mayweather was in the Olympics boxing and then he lost. And it was a, a big deal yeah. that, oh, I didn't win this. Stuff. Some, of the, some of the people have to go to the Olympics and lose to prepare their professional career. Because the amateur boxing is actually different than the actual professional boxing. Because even in amateur, you're wearing the headgear. It's a little different. It's a little different feel. Where some people, it affects the way they box, I, I would assume. As opposed to when you hit someone for real with no protection. Probably hurts a hell of a lot more than having some padding on your head. <laughs> All right, so, all right, let's quickly go to our our top ten moments. A lot of these are going to be repeats from some of the people that that we talked about, but um, let's go to the moments. The number one moment, I think, this should this should be pretty much a consensus by everyone. The the men's four by four team, Ramon Miller running down Angelo Taylor on the backstretch to win gold in London in twenty twelve. Yeah, and to me, that started off the decade like. The four by four team was always so close. To, they they won the bronze in Sydney after the. Um, you could say it. We didn't expect them to win this. No, you don't expect them to win it. But when you saw the lineup for the U.S., you knew it was one of the weaker sides that the U.S. has ever put out. I was surprised Angelo Taylor was anchoring. Yeah, what? I remember the guy. He's a sub forty four runner, and then Ramon ran him down. But it, it was it was just he's a hurdler. Yeah, it, but I mean, still, yeah. he wasn't jumping. Maybe if he jumped a little bit, like maybe Mario, he should have jumped. Yeah, you know what? I wonder if anyone's done that, like without the hurdles being there, no. just still jump. It would be kind of awkward. I just assume. well once, maybe yeah. if he did it once, he wouldn't have. Got but yeah, no, that was something where it, it was a big controversy of Chris Brown. 
being taken off the anchor leg to run the first leg. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was it was literally the perfect race that the Bahamas could have run. Like, that's the season's uh, national record, I believe it was, like 257-something that they ran. Yeah. Unless Stevie was in that race, I I think they could have taken, like, half a second. But I think that's the best... The best line, because Demetrius ran a sub-44. Yeah, it happened um, the way it was supposed yeah. to. He was running with a heavy heart because his sister had just died at the time. I remember that being a big story. Ramon r- runs the best race he's ever run ever. in his life. And you got to understand, he was an Olympic finalist, Ramon. Like, you, you got to remember that. He may, he has made a 400 meter. So, the pedigree was there. It was just finally that we defeated the USA in the 4x4. Four yeah, and we were at we were at the top. Yeah, that was the big deal. Uh, finally defeating the USA. Number two, the dive. We talked about when we went to when we talked about Shawnee, but the dive is always going to be iconic. Number three, we we also spoke about that. That was Stevie's number three on boat list. It was Stevie winning a uh, four hundred meter gold at the World Champs. Number four, we have Buddy winning the Player of the Year. Now, it, since it was a season long uh, list of accolades, I always say for me. The moment that that Buddy reached national conscious was the Kansas game, where he just went absolutely bananas, and I think that was the moment that people said this guy's a bona fide NBA player. That's yeah, when we yeah. got in the beef with the other website. Well, we got beef with <laughs> the other Facebook page. Oh, <laughs> boy! I'm bringing that up no That's more. That's when we came on the map. I I leave that I leave that alone, like. Jay-Z said, a wise man told me not to argue with fools because people from a distance can't tell who is who. Number five, one of the most recent moments, but it was huge. Nathan Bain with the game-winning layup to defeat Duke and that raised so much goddamn money on his GoFundMe. <laughs> Over 150000 But no, like it was what, a uh, 27-point underdog or something like that. Mm-hmm. Biggest upset in 15 years. Duke hasn't lost a game in 100 50, um, 50 games, non-conference, unranked opponents at home or something like that. It was something ridiculous that the streak that they had. And little old Nathan Bain. And we, trust me, we was in a WhatsApp group. Oh, man, that conversation then, was hilarious. Was just, let's just put it this way. I was just like, what Nathan doing pretty much? And then he goes and he wins the game. I, and it, it's just like it's just incredible because now, now goes to sleep early. And it just becomes a... Nathan win the game like and it was just like like you said it's the heavy heart you know I know Norris um really well just the heavy heart uh Norris always told me that he was he could have transferred many times but he never did the coach even said it you gotta Nathan's had so many surgeries he's been injured in seasons it's just like for that to happen for him for him like like, it's something cliche that people say couldn't happen to a better guy but this really was a case where everyone thought this year is the biggest this is going to be his biggest moment in college but unless they win a national title this is the biggest moment in his college. like they could make I mean, the elite eight it doesn't matter but this is the biggest moment he is ever going to have in college basketball probably and in, it's probably going to be the moment of the maybe year. in his basketball. like let's put it this way this is going to win an sp yeah. i promise you this is going to win an sp yeah let's uh number six it's it's ariana in the final in london number seven eight and going number one Huge moment, like John mentioned earlier in the pod. There have only been the the list of countries with two number ones is very short, and we do not seem like we belong on that at all. It's and the USA, it. it's Canada, it's Nigeria, it's us. 
That's it. Australia. I know, I know Australia. Yeah. Sorry, Australia. Uh, Anthony Bennett was the number one pick. Yeah, I don't really even know how much we're trying to count Canada, but whatever. Number eight, I'll let John take this away. It's beach soccer, the Bahamas defeating Ecuador. John, tell us why this is yeah, so important. Well, first, we're hosting a beach soccer World Cup. I love how now I was just laughing at this. <laughs> but it's a big moment. It's the first time we beat a South American country. Oh, God. Hey, we didn't go over in our own tournament. <laughs> so that, that's a big thing. It's just like... <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I, I was looking at my watch but no it, it, it is a big deal like it's something where i we should have built a bit more of a we let the, we let the momentum down. exactly there was a point where we were pretty much at beat we, were, we were trending upward yeah beat soccer could have globally we were trending upward yeah. and now not so much no Okay, so number nine, another recent one. It's the men's under-17 Central Basket team winning the bronze medal at Central Basket and qualifying for the America's Tournament. Yeah. You were there for this moment. And Huge moment. Yeah. Let's put it this way. I've been to so many Bahamas basketball games, like all of them for the last four years. And it's just, you get to the cusp. Like, I've been there when we were down by... Well, we were up by 21 against Mexico, and we ended up losing that game in overtime, which if we won that game, would have qualified us to the semifinal round, which would have qualified us for the men's America. So it's like there are things there. I've been in the women's where they should have won. They didn't win. But <laughs> <laughs> just, just to make it blunt. But Dominican Republic were the tournament favorites. Yeah. They just came off the World Cup 16 and under team and placed third. So there were a lot of players who were on that team playing. So this this isn't a unit that like the Bahamas is known for. We're throwing a bunch of people together, and that's it. Mm-hmm. No, they were together. They had the same coach. And literally, we call it, we beat USVI, which was a big thing in the... Because we hadn't beat them in like seven years. Like it, I don't know, understand why they always beat us, but that's the, that's the real nemesis. So we get to the son of Anamara. I was talking to Three Ounce, the head coach, Quinton Hall, and it was just like... So we got two chances to qualify for this. We play Mexico. Mexico is just wiping the floor. And three ounce said, pull out the starters. Cleared the bench. Because he said, my guys are going to have their legs with the Dominican Republic because we're going to beat them. And we, well, when we messaged in the group, what are we wearing? He said, we're wearing all black. The, the same typical land. There's going to be someone's funeral today and it ain't ours. So we go out there and I'm, you know, I'm tight in the FIBA circle because I'm around everyone in Puerto Rico. And the game's going on, and these people are like, oh, man, you guys are looking good. I'm like, y'all need to shut up until this game is over because it's just whatever. But I was on the Bahamas side of the bed. I stopped taking photos. I stopped working. This is, I, I got caught up in the moment. So Romad dunks the ball, and everyone's just freaking out. Yeah, it, and the fact that, and it's not just the fact that seconds. we won this game, it was the way they won it. I'll, I'll set it up for you and let John finish, but Dayton Albury, who's the team, pause, Dayton Albury, who's been the team's leading scorer all throughout the tournament, he drives to the lane, he misses a layup, and Roma Dean, who had an incredible game and also an incredible tournament, by the way, he dunks it home to give the Bahamas an 85-83 to 83 lead, and... Dominican Republic has one last chance, but no. Yeah, they pass it to Montero, who is going to go to the NBA. He was the best player in the tournament. He is an NBA prospect. And like I said, I'm on the Bahamas side. And when he shot the ball, you saw it was off. Like, it, it wasn't going in. 
but then it was a rebound and that's when Malik got the rebound and he did his Dwayne Wade moment and threw the ball in the air and then we all end up on the court like it's just it's, it's almost like a blur it's just like did I'm you, in the middle of the court did you remember to take pictures of the celebration I, I got a couple but I was in a bunch of pictures too because my boy who's a photographer for, for the tournament was there and I was just like bro I know what to do so you get all the like the crazy thing is FIBA wants the Bahamas to be successful because it's a country that's not used to being at this level like USA, Canada, Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, these Mexico again, Puerto Rico, those are the countries that we're playing against at this next level. So, and, and the bigger thing is Buddy Heal never made it. I spoke to Buddy about it and Buddy sent a message to the kids and saying, I never had a chance to play at the highest level at junior. Sammy Hunter, Dominic Bridgewater, these are players, Tum Tum, it's like these are players who have never played at this level. So basically what you're telling us is you need to pay attention to this team. Yeah, you need this, to pay attention to these players. Yeah, because this is like next, there's a chance the next great one comes from this. Exactly. End of story. I got you. Number ten on our list of moments, it was Lucius Fox getting paid, signing for the deal that caused MLB to change all sorts of rules. <laughs> Lucius Fox, if you didn't know who he was, everyone knew who he was on the day he turned eighteen when they heard. That an 18-year-old Bahamian kid that's a baseball player who you've never seen play before just got a $6 million bonus. $6 million. So, we were talking about this earlier. He was the highest paid Bahamian athlete at one point. Yeah. Until Buddy came along, Buddy it, got, was, it was Lucius. Until, yeah, until Buddy got drafted. Yeah, it was Lucius. So, in terms of baseball being back... That is what you call being back when yeah. 18-year-old and kids like get paid said, like that. That's the same class that Jazz was in. Yep. Getting signed. All right. So those are our top 10 athletes. Those are our top 10 moments. Feel free to argue. Feel free to agree. Feel free to call us idiots. Feel free to read and listen. Y'all stay woke. Something almost made the list with that dunk.